0: Liberty Lockdown, please in your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yes yeah, on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're right with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Here we go We
1: have a Banger of a guest today, it is Tim Moan He is the leader of the Libertarian Party in Canada But before we get started, I want to give a quick thank you once again to our sponsor The Daily Job Hunt If you are looking for work, if you are looking for a career transition Or if you're just looking for daily inspiration to get going This is the free product for you No excuses, go sign up It's crash.co backslash daily And they will send you a daily newsletter, it's free of charge, gives you a little bit of advice, some encouragement, and then also sometimes a kick in your butt to get you going. And sometimes that's what we need. And I think if you like my show, you like it because sometimes that's what I do too. And sometimes I need it myself. And I've uh, I've been subscribed for a little over a week now, and I've really enjoyed it. I think you guys will as well. Go to crash.co backslash daily to sign up for free. I want to give a quick shout-out. I have 30 more five-star reviews on iTunes. Thank you so, so much for continuing to support the show in whatever way you can. bunch of people got shirts. You can go to teespring.com backslash liberty-lockdown-podcast to pick those shirts up. They are not very expensive. It's really just a means for me to grow the show. I want to give a big shout-out to Top Lobster, who is the designer on that Logo, and it's just phenomenal. If you want to have, if you are a creator yourself, and you want, or if you just want to create a really cool design for a shirt for you and your family or reunions or whatever, uh, go to com and uh, you can see what he's all about. This guy is super talented, and I hope you guys will support him as well. Of those 30 new reviews, we got three more write ups, so I want to give those shout outs as I've promised. Uh, we got Manly Paul says, Great content for liberty-minded people Make time in your week to give Clint a fair listen Excellent takes on libertarianism and the COVID lockdowns Well, thank you, Manly Paul You are so very manly Then we got Alec underscore McDowell Says, great podcast I'm always reluctant to add a new political podcast to the rotation Because I've got limited listening time But this one is a banger Like Dave Smith, TLE, Malice, or Tom Woods You'll like this This Bitcoin episode with Rollo and the gang was fire Thank you, Alec It was fire and to be put in that company with all those fellas is just brings a tear to my eye. I, I really love those guys and I'm I'm glad that you love me. That's amazing. Uh, finally someone speaks the truth. We got JL Robert or JL Roberts08 says, Love the podcast and the freedom it may inspire. Thank you for speaking out. No, thank you for listening and thank you for speaking out in your life, because that's what we need. Let's get into the show. Welcome everybody to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. I have another special guest today we're going global today I think you may be my first non-american guest so uh, congrats on that we have Tim Moen he is the leader of the libertarian Party in Canada so I thought it'd be very interesting to have him on and talk about the similarities differences um, both in terms of ideology and also in terms of you know hopefulness between our, our separate nations and, and seeing, um, you know, what, what might be the tie that binds that can unify us and hopefully propel this message of freedom. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the, uh, the invite. Absolutely. Uh, we gotta, we gotta grow these, uh, these names. I, I don't have any concept of how popular libertarianism is in Canada. So I, I, I was, <laughs> I was curious, what is, what is the Canadian to libertarian pipeline?
2: Oh my God. It's, uh, it's grim, although I, I will say that the pandemic is, is definitely helping uh, helping out a little bit here, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of waking up to the nature of the, the state. In my province, Alberta, right now, we have uh, a church that has been fenced off by our national police force uh three layers of fence to, to prevent people from uh going to worship because uh, they might be a danger or something like that. Meanwhile, we have big box stores like Walmart and Costco just uh lined up and packed with people. So, uh people see that and they are uh they they are questioning to say the least the uh, the government and the the nature of uh, its authority and that sort of thing. But, you know, to to answer your question, it's libertarianism is not very popular at all in Canada we we have a lot of work ahead of us you know we we aren't like the United States that was kind of born in this uh, in revolution you know basically from what I can tell the U.S. was formed when a bunch of liber- libertarians killed a bunch of conservatives and formed a new nation <laughs> well we we were the conservatives that uh the redcoats so to speak and we you know that culture has has uh carried over and so Canada is very a very left-wing. I mean, there's no there's no right-wing party here that challenges universal health care, for example. Um, there's no right-wing party here that challenges, um, you know, the the progressive narrative. Uh, it, it would our, our our right-wing party here, the Conservative Party, would look further left than the Democratic Party in the states right now. So it's and you know it, that reflects Canadian culture you know, these parties have those policy suites for a reason. It's because that's, what's going to get them votes. That's because that's what Canadian culture
1: demands. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a struggle. Well, that's, that's horrifying. If I'm being totally honest, uh, have you considered fleeing?
2: Well, I definitely have considered fleeing. I mean, I, you know, I'm not sure where there's safe havens right now. Um, you know my my biological father uh, w- was actually an american and from what i understand he he fled canada as soon as he found out my my mom was uh pregnant so i i have never tracked him down but i think he's a california surfer uh you know no kind of spreading his seed up the western seaboard and i've <laughs> al- always thought you know more and more now i think if there if there's any way i could track him down and leverage that into a us citizenship because texas and, and florida look like pretty appealing places right now. Um, there, there's no such place in Canada, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the places where it's easy for a Canadian, maybe to immigrate are all Commonwealth countries that all share the same ideals that Canada have that, uh, you know, government, a strong government, uh, progressive government is needed to look after people and control their, their every move.
1: Man. Well, that, that was actually my next question is, is there, an enclave for freedom in Canada whatsoever? And it sounds like the answer is no. Well,
2: there, there definitely is. I mean, it, it's a growing number um, of people, I would say. And, you know, one of the things about Canada that's a little bit different than the U.S. is is that it's, it's much easier to form political parties and movements and get ballot access and that sort of thing. And so uh, there are a lot of disenfranchised conservatives that are that are kind of glomming onto the ideals of liberty, uh, they're, they're coming at it from a kind of a populist angle. So they don't really have that, the, the philosophical grounding in Liberty that us libertarians would have. So, you know, they, they, um, might not favor legalization of drugs or, you know, strong, um, strong gun gun, uh, rights or, or something like that, but they're definitely pushing back against, um, against the, the lockdown narrative, uh, you know, and a lot of them tend to kind of go down the conspiracy rabbit hole of, you know, this is, this is a, a, a fake pandemic, therefore we don't need government. And, you know, that's one of the problems with uh, conservatism in Canada. It may be that way everywhere. Why it's so weak is that they assume the same things that uh, the, the left or the big government proponents assume, which is that in a crisis, we need government. And, and so the, the somewhat libertarian parties in Canada, there's uh, the, the people's party of Canada, which has an unfortunate name. Um, but it was, <laughs> it, it was started by a guy who is fair somewhat libertarian leaning from the conservative party who broke away. And, and he took a lot of our platform points, but you know, he didn't want to go as far as us. Um, and that, that's Max Bernier, but you know, he, he He's, it's still pretty milquetoast libertarianism. It, you know, for example, as climate change policy says something like, um, there's no strong evidence that climate catastrophe is is coming, therefore we don't need government intervention. Well, that yes. first part's okay. Yeah, there's probably not strong evidence of, of climate catastrophe. But I would argue that if there is strong evidence of climate catastrophe, that's a, we need liberty even more ex- expediently. Right. And so, you know, and and then on the, the pandemic front, he says, well, this COVID pandemic isn't that bad. Therefore, we don't need government intervention. And us libertarians are saying, no, look, even if this virus is 100 percent fatal, we we still can't justify lockdowns. We need liberty even more in a crisis, not less than a crisis. And, and so none of these parties really get the root of libertarianism, which is the default is liberty, guys. Whatever the question, the answer is liberty, and we have to push that hard. And that's a real struggle in Canada to advance that narrative, because most of the people protesting these lockdowns are are coming at it from the angle of, you know, that this is all a big hoax, there's no pandemic happening, this is all, and there, there may be some truth to what they're saying. But that doesn't matter. They're not addressing the root cause. They're assuming that well, if if things were really bad, well, then of course all the stuff would be needed. Well, no, we say it won't be. So that's <laughs> that's the challenge: is to come at this from a principle perspective.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, if you if you lack those principles, then it's pretty much impossible to come at it from that position. Uh, I'm yeah. not saying you, but it sounds as if the majority of the people in your in your country don't don't share our principles of. Of defaulting to liberty, and then perhaps, in the worst case scenario, using governance for other things. But uh, you know, as an AnCap, I don't, I don't ever really see a need for government personally. But um, you know, from the more minarchist perspective, I can understand it. I can understand the argument at least. Uh, but right. it, you know, my the whole reason I started my show was for exactly what you're describing: is that I, I wanted to emphasize to people that it doesn't matter how bad this virus is we are free people and that is that is irrefutable and irremovable and immovable and and people just they just lost it they just lost the plot and and you know I, just to be blunt i'm not honestly surprised that it happened in canada but i am extraordinarily surprised that it happened here and because we we had that like you said we had that revolutionary spirit as our foundation and i believed that we had that ethos still coursed through our veins to some extent, and yeah. the past the past twelve months demonstrated to me we aren't so different. You know, we, we, Canada and America are pretty aligned when it comes to statism now, and uh, I don't think that's a good trend line for the future of freedom on this planet. Honestly,
2: yeah, that, that's probably true. And I mean, one thing Canada has going for it is that we do. It, it does seem like there's a stronger pushback from Canada from some Canadians, like there was rioting in Montreal the other night uh, because of the curfews that have been imposed there. But that's why they're rioting that they're rioting because our, our government is, is hitting us harder than your government's hitting us. Like you guys are getting some restrictions, but you're not having churches, uh, blocked off you're not having uh curfews imposed as far as i know um and, well, I, and so I, I
1: hate to I, I hate to break it to you but we have actually had curfews and and some churches closed in different different states so uh but it, you're right i mean generally our lockdowns have been less severe so uh in in some ways i almost wish they were harder because i wish that we were pushed to the limit of fighting back because i i genuinely believe that these don't these you know soft or quasi soft rolling lockdowns don't end until we, until we say they do. And I don't think that you will galvanize enough people to fight back meaningfully to actually end these things once and for all, unless they are, you know, truly life altering, not, you know, people are because of zoom and because of work from home and telecommuting, people are still surviving and yeah, you know, you're surviving, but you aren't living. And, and I'm trying to get people to fight to live again. Um, Anyways, I I think that it's it's really great to hear though that you in Montreal they are they are rioting for the right reasons. I mean here the best we can get is a riot over police violence, which is also a good reason to riot if I'm being honest. But um, I would yeah. like to see more people not necessarily rioting but meaningfully protesting daily over these lockdowns. Do you, so? Why why do you think it is that that is it just simply because the lockdowns have been harsher that you guys have done that or Uh, what's your what's your thesis as to why because we we have had almost no lockdown protests here it's crazy
2: is that right yeah i i I mean we have uh we have protests every weekend all across canada they they have like just scheduled ones and um you know this past week alone i can think of just in my community four protests over four days organized by different people one was a convoy to grace life church which is uh the the a church that uh, is nearby um and people came from all over canada to, to go to that protest uh then there's a, a regularly scheduled one on saturday then there was another uh protest that was organized on monday right in front of our our government buildings our legislature here uh because that's when our politicians were sitting again and they wanted to make them feel the heat so we had a big protest there so yeah i mean it, i i'm don't know what explains uh why we're protesting and you're not uh, other than to say um a lot of people in canada i I think there might be a stark divide between in canada what we would call the laurentian elites and these are the people that are kind of the ruling class in canada they're they're the people out east in ontario in in, that are bilingual uh that are government workers that are professional bureaucrats that have this world view that um that they know what's best. They certainly know better than us. Western hicks here in Alberta, we, we kind of look like look down upon as almost like hillbillies or something like that. Mm. And they are, you know, they're, they're these narcissistic, what you might call in America, the Hollywood elites or something like that. But these right. are the ruling classes here. And um, people are really tired of that attitude. And especially out West here in Alberta, you know, Alberta is a fairly rural, um, a, a rural province, a lot of farmers, a lot of people who work with their hands, who don't see much need for government. And uh, they have been tired of this steady, steady attack by the Laurentian elites for, for a long time now. Uh, you know, Trude- Justin Trudeau's dad, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, uh, started the attack on the West with something called the National Energy Program. We, we create a lot of the, we have a lot of um, uh, oil and gas here in Alberta. And, there's a lot of revenues that be, can, can be gleaned from that and so you know what we see constantly in alberta is these laurentian elites take all the wealth from us by a form of taxation they they uh and then at the same time they undermine the very very thing that allows us to create that wealth by by blocking pipelines and blocking development and all these other things and so you know they they take our wealth and then they prevent us from uh from being able to pr- prosper and people have just tired of it. And now this lock, these lockdowns and all these government mandates just are like salt in a wound that was already there. And so <laughs> I think people are just fed up and they're like ready to protest this. Totally. And so, you, you know, you have this growing divide between the people that kind of support the Laurentian elites and fancy themselves um, progressive and educated, a liberal class and the rest of us schlubs who are, are out there just trying to live our life and, and prosper. Uh, and avoid all these obstacles that are being constantly thrown in our way and by people who look down their nose at us
1: right well we aren't so different after all (laughs) that's i mean it's a very apt description of exactly the sentiment in this country you have the the, the southern states or or just the midwest ones any any of them that that lean more conservative um you know they're they work with their hands they're more blue collar they they absolutely hate all of the media and the and the propaganda from Hollywood and the political snobbery—it um, sounds—it sounds like an extremely similar dynamic, and that—that that doesn't surprise yeah. me. Do you guys do you guys have the same problems with your media as we do here?
2: Oh yeah, I mean our our media is straight up um, government, right? I mean the, the CBC here is a crown corporation, subsidized like it, it hasn't turned a profit in decades, as far as I know. It's completely subsidized essentially by the government and. Um, you know, sticks to uh, essentially government talking points, um, and you know the Trudeau government has implemented a subsidy program for its approved uh, media sources to keep the media alive, right? To keep it uh, keep it going, and quite often it's done in the in the name of promoting Canadian content. Um, you know, because we get a lot of stuff from the states, and it's hard for our Canadian media companies maybe to compete with that. So, mm-hmm. but of course, it's going to go to media companies that support the the Trudeau government's narrative. And um, so I would say it's probably even worse here in Canada than it is in the U S we don't have anything mainstream like Fox, for example, that comes at it from a hyperbolic, but opposite perspective. Ours is all like from one perspective, there's, there's no, and you know, so it's, I would say it's probably even worse.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. What, what is the, Outlet for someone like you the the dissident the the remnant to find right. to find information or news that isn't basically state ran media
2: yeah that's that's a tough one i mean there there are certainly independent media sites that are smaller like there's rebel uh, news here in canada there's um, the post millennial there's there's a bunch of these kind of dissident sites that uh, are more you know, in the vein of like a Fox news type thing. But again, you know, as a libertarian, you know, that when you're watching mainstream media, uh, you kind of take, watch Fox for a bit then CNN for a bit, see that they're pushing these different narratives, see that, okay. You know, understanding their bias, you look for the kernels of truth that kind of can be confirmed <laughs> and then put your own uh, analysis from a, a correct libertarian lens on it. Uh, <laughs>
0: right. That's kind of
2: what you have to do here as yeah. well. It's Like, okay, what are the actual facts and, and, you know, <laughs> almost guaranteed there's some government program rule or regulation that is uh, creating this, uh, the, the chaos that we're seeing, uh, that the news media is, is spinning as something else. But yeah,
1: oh, always, always the way. Well, I'm curious, yeah. uh, and I probably could have researched this prior to our interview, but I figured I, I have someone on that's in the political scene there. You can definitely tell me what you think. Um, is Trudeau popular? I mean, first off, I don't even know how by by what margin he won his election, and so I would like to know that. I would like to know is is the dissident population within the the nation getting to a point where you could actually see a countervailing force that that sees him unseated, or is, it, is he like locked in? And or I mean, maybe not him, but is is that ideology dominant and likely to persist moving forward? Right.
2: Well, right now he has what's called a minority government, which means that he doesn't have uh, the majority of the seats. In Canada, we don't vote directly for prime minister. Um, the prime minister is essentially selected by the queen's uh, queen's representative, the governor general in Canada. And wow! They I, now, now I feel all...
1: really ignorant. I had
2: no idea all that right. was the case. <laughs> well, and and it's you know it it's essentially the, the party that forms government that gets the most seats. In a, in a general election, almost always their leader, the leader of that party be, then becomes prime minister, assuming sure. he's also won a seat, um, sure. which they always do. And so it's kind of just a rubber stamp from the Queen saying, yes, we approve you. Um, but uh, so so Trudeau's popularity isn't as high as it once was. And certainly most people are tired of him. Um, you know, even the left is tired of him here in Canada. Now he's really bobbled the vaccine thing um you know uh, just a small percentage of our population is uh, vaccinated right now and there's currently delays in in getting vaccines and that's all been blamed on trudeau and his incompetence um they're tired of his uh his virtue signaling it seems pretty much right across the board and you know but what what is going to it'll be interesting to see what the next election holds so because more than people I have a distaste for Trudeau, Canadians really have a distaste for anything uh, conservative, mm. uh, because conservatism is seen as bigotry, is seen as racism, is seen mm. as old school uh, whatever, and something that needs to be abolished. And this is why we see the Conservative Party of Canada, their leader Aaron O'Toole, his policies look not that different from Trudeau's. He is trying really hard to, to distance himself from that that um perception of conservatism being this bigotry and not progressive enough and, and that sort of thing so he's trying really hard to look uh progressive uh, like a progressive driving the speed limit right? right he's like okay trudeau's going way too hard on the accelerator here we need to slow things down we need to find some more market-based solutions say for climate change um we, we can't have a carbon tax but there's other ways to stop climate change that involve regulation that we can, you know, use. And, and, um, you know, so he's saying, okay, climate, climate catastrophe is a real issue and the government has a role in solving it, but it's just not the way Trudeau's doing it or something like that. And, and right now, you know, that they, they're starting to say, and now's the time by the way that for us to see a plan about how we're going to reopen the economy. It's not, it wasn't six months ago. It wasn't a year ago. In fact, a year ago, Aaron O'Toole, when he was running for leader of the conservative party of Canada was saying, it's time to put Canada on a war footing to face this pandemic. In other words, we need a big command and control centralized economy, and we need huge government intervention to stop this pandemic. But so now they're slowly tiptoeing into the, let's just see a plan to reopen like a responsible plan. And, and so that's kind of, you know, where we're at with, with these guys. Now, on the other side of things, we have this growing unrest from what you might call the populists, right? And we have the People's Party of Canada that's kind of tapped into that. Um, the, the people are just tired of this milquetoast, what they call the LibCon parties. Um, you know, the, the Conservative Party has failed them over and over again, and they're just tired of it. And they're ready to throw in a, a protest vote and and they'll go to the People's Party of Canada maybe for that or there's another new party that, that just bursts onto the scene here that is a, uh, a western separatist party called the Maverick Party pretty cool name um, that is you know has some libertarian leanings as well but their main focus is to uh, focus on being a um, uh, I guess a, a cheerleader for the west and to, to raise question of the west seceding from these laurentian elites and so uh you know these these upstart parties will likely you know chip away at the vote count that the conservative party would have got and increase trudeau's chance of winning so of course you know a lot of the arguments here in circles are we can't split the vote we need to Vote against our worst evil, and that means voting for the guy that's almost identical, but not quite. But the, the guy that will at least drive a speed limit of progressivism. Because yeah, that it, 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 we're in a crisis right now. You see, and and now's not the time to vote principle. And you know, I've been hearing the same song and dance
1: for twenty years. I was going to uh, say more my, my entire life. It's the same same exact yeah. story here as well. It it I think that that's what the MAGA movement was was an attempt at a pushback against progressive progressivism in this country. Um, I think it was right. terribly, terribly misguided. How'd, how'd
2: that go for you guys?
1: Yeah, I think it was terribly it's misguided. Progressivism, unfortunately, doing all right. Yeah, uh, progressivism <laughs> has probably never been doing better um, yeah. post post Trump. But that they had to pull out all the stops to make sure that happened. So I mean, that they, they have every asp, every layer of the controlling elite in this country: the media, academia, political, you know, Hollywood, everything, every media that Americans consume was utilized to poison the well against Trump. And, and in truth, you know, I wasn't a Trump supporter, but at the same time, compared to Joe Biden, like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I I would have chosen the speed limit as well. Um, So I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame people for, for having that desire. I'm curious, uh, you know, from, from an American perspective, I have, I have been mortified at what they have done to you guys with um, forced quarantine, basically, uh, you know, having anyone after they travel back into the country, like this, I mean, obviously, these are very un-American ideals to have forced quarantine and things like that. Is is that also fomenting discord in your country or is that basically being accepted?
2: Yeah, it's well, again, you know, you, there's a stark political divide between um you know the, the, the apologists for big government on the left and kind of the, the establishment pipeline saying while these quarantines are necessary, you know we can't have people spreading this deadly disease around. And and then people on that that are like kind of in the populist camp of this is insane, like this has to stop. I mean, where where do we end this? Like, it, yeah, it 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 is you know, and we we hear stories over and over again of people you know the most people getting sexually assaulted at these quarantine facilities, people catching COVID at these quarantine facilities. Um, it, it's, yeah, it, it's insane. And so, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely, and, and now there's, uh, there's a clip circulating, you know, one of the things we heard from our prime minister last fall was this uh, quote where he was addressing the UN, where he said, you know, this pandemic gives us an opportunity to consider an economic reset um, and, and build back better. And, you know, of course he's referring to the world economic forum, uh, concept of the great reset. Right. And we just heard, we just, there's a clip circulating now from the deputy prime minister, Chrystia Friedland saying this pandemic has really been an, if I'm being honest, a huge opportunity and an epiphany for us. Right. And, uh, this is the same deputy PM who said, who faced the Canadian people and said, um, we're noticing that there are a lot of people not spending money right now. And there's actually quite a few Canadians with some savings built up and we're looking at this as a preloaded stimulus. And we're, we're, we're looking for ideas of how we can access this preloaded stimulus to really stimulate the economy. And, and, you know,
1: Imagine uh, considering people's savings as stimulus. I mean, that is, that is so sick. Oh my God.
2: Yeah. So it, uh, it, it is insane what, uh, you know, and people are are waking up to this stuff and going, "This is crazy." Like, you know, I look, I'm I'm a frontline worker. I'm a firefighter, paramedic, and so I've been on the front lines of this pandemic. Um, I'm expected to go into high viral loads uh, among the most viral, you know, vulnerable people in our community uh, in an uncontrolled environment. Uh, that's not too dangerous, but it's too dangerous for me to go work out at the gym where you know the most healthy people are. <laughs>
0: right. but, but like
2: people are just seeing these kind of double standards left, right, everywhere, and they're like, this makes no sense. So, you know, right now they're allowing us to dine, dine outside. They, they just implemented another lockdown um, restriction here in Alberta. Actually, it's, it's all across the country. Provinces are all following following suit, almost like they're reading off a script. Um, but, well, you know, you're allowed to dine outside on the patio. And, of course, in Canada right now, it's it's still pretty chilly. Um, and so they're allowing people to set up tents. So we're allowed to set up an indoors outside Outdoors. that we can yeah. go. And so, you know, people are making – jokes about this like you can you can go indoors to get to the outdoors which is then indoors and then if you need to go to Washington you can go indoors but only if you go to the, you know it just you yeah. know people are noticing
1: this stuff and it's you, like you guys are the exact same as California <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in California this is the same nonsense that we have here which is exactly why I am fleeing California the good news is I have some other states I can flee to that that are, will be relatively free and you know it's yeah I mean the the logical <clears throat> the logical incongruence in in the policymaking that we've all witnessed if you've been awake at all it's so transparently obvious that these people are just fucking with us at this point <laughs> like they're just yeah. they're just trying like i feel so gaslit over the past year and and i don't blame the conservatives for going the conspiracy theory route when you have politicians all across the globe using the same terminology build back better and the yeah. the great reset and the new normal it's like y- you start to draw Lines between this and you go oh well maybe this whole world economic forum plan is what's going on and and it's I mean based off of talking to you it's it's kind of reaffirmation of my belief that this is a global plot I mean whether or not it's some sinister conspiracy theory to control and dominate us or if it's just um, you know technocratic elites that think that they're going to help guide us into the future through this terrible pandemic and as Rahm Emanuel uh, former uh, member of Barack Obama's uh, cabinet said you never let a crisis go to waste and yeah and that's how they view this is that they are going to utilize this moment to to propagate and progress on their progressive ideology come hell or high water and we are all paying the price for it and i'm i'm devastated to hear that it's as bad as it is in california basically in the most conservative part of canada i mean that's that's scary stuff man
2: well and you know it's we're seeing all the signs of um impending doom, right? I mean, right now, actually, in my community, and this is, I'm hearing this from a lot of places in Canada, our, our interest, the central banks have, have pushed our interest rates so low, that people, it's creating a housing boom right now. So people are buying up houses. In fact, you know, I, I work with a couple of guys who are looking for a house. And they said it's really hard to actually get a house because they'll go on uh, the, the real estate listings in the morning and the house will be on there for literally 10 minutes. And then there will be a bidding war where people are, are paying, you know, $20,000, 30000 over asking price just so they can get into a house. Now, what's going to happen when, um, you know, the, the foundation falls out from our economy and or, or let's just say they have to raise interest rates a few percent um, <laughs> in the next over. coming years? It's game over for these people, and they're going to be begging uh, someone to come along and say, "I relieve you of your debt. Uh, here, just surrender some of your rights, and and I'll take this debt off your hands." And you know, it, so it, it's very easy to see how, if you had any any idea of of <laughs> seizing an opportunity, whether it's seizing an opportunity or or having a nefarious plan to to put people under your progressive control, um, these are all. Opportunities for that, right? And yeah. and you know they're they're just pro- popping up. You know we're seeing the huge, the biggest transfer in in wealth in any time I can remember. At the same time, we're suppressing production and, and crushing small business and propping up this huge oligopoly of of megacorps
1: and it's and maintaining uh, and maintaining record low interest rates, which drives pricing. Uh, so you have you have low supply. You have uh, you know very cheap capital So you have those that have the capacity To get that capital are getting a bigger And bigger slice of the economy uh, Which sows sh- uh, Social discord I mean this is all Set up for a Marxist yeah. revolution I mean truly well, Because the okay. poor the poor, And the disenfranchised are going to feel Again as if Capitalism failed them when we are not yeah. Functioning in any semblance of capitalism I'm a, I'm a private money mortgage broker Just so you know and and hmm. i i am witnessing in my opinion the greatest bubble in the real estate market in the history of the world i mean it is going yeah. bonkers and and the fact that you're confirming that that's happening in canada doesn't, doesn't surprise yep. me at all i mean they every same exact story everywhere you go i mean maybe not in like the worst blue cities like in new york city and stuff like that but pretty much anywhere else you go even in blue states like i'm in san diego they you put a house on the market we have we have less than a million houses for sale across the entire United States of America. That is that is the lowest inventory I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, a, a normal a normal inventory rate is something that can be pushed through in about six months. And we would need like I don't know, five million more houses for sale to actually get to that level. Everything's selling within 30 days. I mean, this is this wow. is just set up for absolute destruction. And it's only 13 years after the last go around. And I assume you guys were hurt by that as well. I don't actually know for a fact. We,
2: we weren't hurt as bad as you guys were, um, but uh, it did affect uh, quite a few people. Um, you know, the other thing that's coming down in Canada is uh, a bill for a uh, universal basic income has been tabled in parliament. And um, it's something that's on, you know, all our left wing parties agendas is, is universal basic income, uh, the Nash, uh, uh, the New Democratic Party, the NDP, which is essentially uh, a socialist party, it holds about thirty seats, I think in Canada considerable number of seats they are uh, they just they're having their convention right now, and some of the policy proposals include not only ubi but also uh, getting rid of billionaires by uh, like just taking their, seizing any assets now in order to do that, obviously we, you would have to nationalize. Like because a billionaire doesn't just have a billion dollars of cash sitting in a vault somewhere, Scrooge no. McDuck style. They're all invested into right. businesses and so you'd have corporations. Force right? liquidation. Right, What well, forced liquidation, or maybe the, the national government, the government just comes along and says we're going to nationalize, uh, you know, Costco or whatever now, or, or whatever uh, Canadian oh version is. And, you know, so it's, it's not hard to see how this can unfold, whether it's by design or by opportunism, it doesn't really matter, but it's pretty easy to predict how this is going to play out.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it it, it is easy to predict. We can look at Venezuela to figure it out. Um, Has, has, has it gotten so bad that capitalists are fleeing Canada? I mean, cause it, it, in that environment, like as, as an entrepreneur and a capitalist myself, I'm fleeing California for this very reason. Um, mm-hmm. I would imagine that people that are in a similar position to me that have had their businesses closed down and they've been, the tax rates are exorbitant and, and they're now floating ideas such as mm-hmm. asset forfeiture and seizure and things like that, that you would start to withdraw. Is that, is, have you seen any signs of that?
2: Well, I, I've definitely, I, I mean, even before this pandemic, um, we we had uh you know alberta has had a conservative a conservative government for its whole history almost except for one blip um in the last the prime our last premier of this province was an ndp or so one of these kind of socialist types very hostile to oil and gas and we saw huge fleeing of capital billions and billions of dollars of capital fleeing this province because of her policies you know and and oil and gas really is the the bread and butter of the Canadian economy mm-hmm. and it it has been under hostile attack uh from these left wing parties uh for well at least a decade now in like a serious attack it's been much longer but where we've actually had policies that that are driving capital out of our country and out of Alberta and, and really undermining the economic engine of this country. That's been going on for for quite some time. Um, and you know we've been hurting, especially in Alberta. We we've been running debts and deficits. We used to have billions of dollars in a in a something called a heritage fund that was like a rainy day fund an investment for the province from oil and gas royalties. That's long gone, and now we're deep into debt because of a lot of these policies. And and of course, yeah, capital investment has fled this province, has fled this country and this pandemic um is not it's not instilling any kind of confidence to to bring any of that back at all. Of Um, course. Especially for smaller,
1: smaller businesses. It's been so detrimental. I I'm just I'm just devastated by all this, man. I'm really I like this is really sad to hear that it's it's as bad if not worse for you guys than it is here. It's it's really mind-blowing to me. what 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 do you think the future of freedom is on this planet I mean it because like we're the West we're supposed to be the free ones and we're already operating under a pretty heavy tyrannical uh, governance and I can't even imagine what it's like in you know China and other places that were already tyrannical uh, do you think that that do you think we can survive this
2: yeah I, I you know I'm somewhat optimistic I don't think that uh, you know the, the nation of Canada or maybe America is going to necessarily survive this. I'm not hugely optimistic for that, but uh, you know I am. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be, it, there's always some, <laughs> some positive, optimistic uh, view you can have in the face of apocalypse or cataclysm or catastrophe.
0: Sure. Um,
2: you know, there, there's going there, there things do have to reset. I mean, that's one thing the World Economic Forum has gotten right there does need to be a reset. Now, the kind of reset that you and I are thinking of is a lot different than the one the World Economic Forum is thinking of. Yeah, about 180 Um,
1: degrees different.
2: (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, I don't see any any unifying force that's going to unite this nation called Canada together. Like, I I just can't see people like me wanting to work shoulder to shoulder with the Laurentian elite to look down their nose at us. Uh, that is getting wider and wider. And the more they talk, the wider it gets, and the more their policy they bring in the wider it gets. And this thing's going to collapse under its own weight right. and we're not going to be unified. We're going to want to have nothing to do with that. And I, I suspect, you know, I, I'm optimistic that there can be things like secession and smaller political jurisdictions crop up um, where we can have fences and neighbors and be good neighbors to each other and not have to um you know worry about each other turning the gun uh you know facing pointing the gun at at each other as right now it's a zero-sum game where if you if you're not pointing the gun at someone else you're having the gun pointed at you and so that kind of relationship is toxic it can't can't be sustained and it's getting worse and um You know, I think that under um, the right conditions, you know, we just go our separate ways. And I think that I'm optimistic something can happen.
1: That that's uh, I think that is the most hopeful and optimistic vantage point is peaceful secession. And I've been saying it for a long time. I think that we need four or five states to band together in America and secede peacefully and just say we you don't like us. We don't like you. Just let us let us live apart because. Um oh this is a good question for you. I, I always wonder to myself, are these people that are in power, these Laurentian elites as you refer to them, are they are they true believers? Are they Kool-Aid drinkers to the point that they simply don't understand economics the way they the way that we do? Or are they just power brokers that are hungry and they know that no matter what comes, as long as they hold the reins of power, they will be benefited? And and it's all about electoral. Uh, victories and it has nothing to do with on the ground because for me it's it's just so hard to imagine that people believe that MMT and you know, just infinite printing and massive taxation and lockdowns all of this combined don't create inevitably an economic collapse that creates tremendous social strife. Like are they are they just are they true believing Marxist type people or are they? conniving? Like, I really don't know.
2: Well, I, 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 assume that they are, um, earnest in their belief. And I think, um, you know, psychologically when you, uh, you know, not believing in that would undermine almost every part of their identity. And I, I just think there's, you know, when your identity is wrapped up like that, it, it your psyche, you know, justifies it, um, yeah. whatever way you can. And I mean, the smarter you are, The more, um, the more uh, I guess,
1: real-sounding
2: justification (laughs) you can articulate because of it, and you can convince yourself that MMT is going to work, and that all these things are for the best, and that you know, you know, if you believe that you are, um, that your intelligence and your worldview is needed to save um, Canada, to save the world, um, and and that the worst thing is these Hicks out west who want who are anti-mask and conspiracy theories and, and, you know, whatever, like you're just constantly degraded. I, I truly believe they think we're a bunch of hicks that, that are dangerous yeah. and, 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 and they, to,
1: and they think you're dumb too, by the way. Yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, to be fair, um, you know, a lot of people in the populist movement, uh, it's hard not to, not to
1: argue <laughs> not to that think they are
2: dumb, dumb the, the way they <laughs> carry themselves and some of the, right. the, things that they they put out there you know i it but and and that's that's a frustration right because um you know i think we come at this from a very intelligent perspective i think we're much smarter than the progressives because we've actually thought through this thing and, and argued with ourselves and steel manned our positions and the you know we understand their positions a lot of times better than they understand them. Yep. Um, but then the people that are on our side are people that, uh, you know, think that vaccines are a 5G control mechanism <laughs> right, and that, right. that this thing's all hopes.
0: Well, and, you uh, know, and, you know, you know and, and,
2: and, and, but there, there are people. So, I mean, it's us in the dimwits versus the midwits. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's just how.
1: <laughs> My, Michael Malice would be proud. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, and you know what? I would rather stand side by side with some inbred dude who believes in freedom and drinks Budweiser's on the weekend, you know, than, than some elite that thinks that I'm the scum of the earth because I don't, I don't want to be locked in my fucking house for a year. I I stand with the rednecks. I I have no qualms about it. Certainly uh, we we will have our disagreements down the road, particularly when it comes to drug laws and things like that. Uh, But I think that these are our allies. Uh, And, and, you know, that's, I've had much greater success speaking to the, the former MAGA movement, the Trump supporting movement, um, particularly during lockdowns But even more so after they believed That their election was stolen from them Whether or not it was And I think that That, right. that, is, that is the movement for unity Because as far as I'm concerned The ties that, by, that bound Libertarians with the left Which was um, criminal justice reform And ending the wars they have basically abdicated that role. They don't give a fuck about ending wars. I yeah. mean, these people are as warmongering as, as the right, if not more so. Um, so I don't see any, any similarities with them, and particularly with the woke overtake. I don't see any potential for us unifying because they view us all as white supremacists, no matter how, how hard we fight for civil rights or, or alleviating the plight of poverty or or overcriminalization amongst the black community. It's just, it, does, it, it doesn't matter what we do. I'm curious, what do you think it was? Because here it's believed that, you know, the, the woke um, apocalypse came upon us via higher education. Is that a similar story there? Um,
2: yeah, I, I think that, that that's definitely, um, somewhat the case. I mean, I, I think it was bound to happen as, as soon as we brought public schools to North America that, you know, I think for various reasons, um, the, the culture that we get from state, the state from government is, is always going to support the government, right? It's, it's always, and that tend trends towards, um, the left, uh, because, you know, the more you can get government involved in all aspects of the peop- of people's lives, the bigger the state gets and the more, you know, it's, it's like a reinforcing feedback loop that reinforces progressivism and progressivism then reinforces the state, uh, that the narrative that we advance doesn't support the state at all. And it challenges that. So it, it's not going to get the kind of nurturing from the states in terms of from the state in terms of resources, uh, subsidies. Um, uh, you know, cronious policies and regulations and licensing schemes that, that make sure that only the people that support the the state regime, uh, get those things. So I think that, that you're always going to have, whenever you have the state, you're going to, it's going to trend towards more more statism. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, And, and, you know, this, this brand of progressivism is like statism on steroids. And so that's, going to nurture the state more than anything and that's what the state's going to glom on to so I think it was inevitable um because of public schools because of all these institutions um and you know I, I think the only the, the only hope is to shift culture I mean I, I think that you know if the state in influences culture in one direction towards more statism uh it it definitely can't influence culture towards more liberty I, I think that requires a grassroots movement of people um can you know it, it's an evangelical movement? I mean, I think we have to take some some uh, out of the playbook of evangelicals here and say you know it's one we have to save one heart and mind at a time. Right. And I think when you have a tipping point, because obviously the constitutions haven't been enough um, to restrain <laughs> no. the state. That that piece of paper isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you can make an argument that a constitution coupled with a population that demands liberty or death would be enough to restrain the state. But that that would probably you know i'm an ancap like you and and so i'm skeptical of that but if there's any hope um that's it and so you know it, it probably leads to the question well why bother get involved in politics at all why are you in the libertarian party if you're an ancap and if you don't see much hope for reforming the system um well again i i go back to that albert j knock um, essay about preaching to the remnant that ron paul uses as a touchstone, you know, Ron Paul was inspirational, not because he was going to win any votes and pull some legislative lever, levers and, you know, legislate freedom or something like that. In terms of a legislator later, I don't think he was all that effective. I don't, I don't know of any bills that he's quashed or, you know, no. any more freedom he got us as a politician. But what he did do was he, he preached to the remnant. He preached to people and he converted a lot of people to be libertarians and so that's what i use this political stage for and that's what we try to focus on here in the canadian libertarian party is not so much collecting votes but connecting with hearts and minds and, and trying to convert them to freedom now is that going to be enough to reform canada and get a libertarian government probably not but i do think that positive unintended consequences come from doing the right thing and some of the positive unintended consequences i see are you know when i go speak in a town or we have a meetup and we, we attract a bunch of people. There's a network of liberty lovers there that, that starts to meet on a regular basis, and they get more liberty lovers in that group. If things ever go to hell, these are the people that are going to have each other's back. Mm-hmm. These are the people that are going to form tight-knit communities where they, they protect each other, where they look out for each other, where they engage in mutual aid and, and agorism and different things like that, that, that can keep their life flourishing. Exactly. These are the people that are going to look at, at um, the collapse of a system, not as... The worst case scenario necessarily or something um, to, to fear but as an inevitability that they can actually find opportunities to flourish in and invest in the right things and come out even further ahead uh, right. because of so those are the kinds of so that's why i engage in in what i'm doing i don't see it, I love it. you know i'm never going to be prime minister of canada but i do think that um you know, preaching liberty is a good thing, and positive unintended consequences come from it. I don't know exactly what they're going to be, but but uh, I have hope that they're they're going to be something good. Well,
1: it's just it's just like our belief in in capitalism. We don't know what the unintended consequences will be, and we can't we can't possibly imagine all of the beautiful things that'll come from capitalism. It's about giving people that freedom and that liberty to see their ideas to fruition, and then seeing what society looks like after. And and historically, if you are Giving people more opportunities and more freedom, you end up with a much more beautiful world. And and I I view it the exact same way. I'm an AnCap, but I'm still getting involved with the Mises Caucus and the Libertarian Party, and I'm a big advocate for Dave Smith's takeover of the LP. And and now I'm a huge fan of yours. So uh, I think that I... I think that there are. There are really tremendous reasons to be involved in politics, even if it's a losing game, because we aren't trying to win the game. We are trying to save right. people's souls. Like, that's that's how I yeah. do it, is I am trying well, to it, it's, convert it's a, a handful game. of people.
2: It's a, it's a completely different game. And, you know, people always say, well, you guys aren't even gonna, ever going to win. I'm like, well, neither is any other party. Well, like, what did they win? I mean, all <laughs> they get is a seat in parliament, in government. Right. What do they do with that? absolutely jack squat they can't do anything towards liberty so what what have they won Mm -hmm. They're and what they do is they sacrifice all their principles they sacrifice their message they throw all that stuff under the bus to get some votes to get a seat and and so they undermine the very thing that they're fighting for and so they're definitely not winning anything the only one that can hope to win is us that we're, we're literally the only party that can actually hope to win And, you know, the win might not look like us forming government and legislating liberty. In fact, it probably won't look like that. What it might look like, you know, in the best case scenario is 20 years down the road, because we've popularized liberty so much, all the other mainstream parties that are willing to say whatever they have to to get in front of the parade that we created uh, will start having to adopt libertarian policies. And those parties will still win the election, but will have won because we've got a libertarian our, our libertarian policies in place now Because we refuse to sacrifice Principles to gather votes
1: Yep, And and in an era Filled with lies, those that are speaking Harsh truths start to Grab attention And, and there has never been a time in my life Where there has been more pervasive Lying to people, and people know yeah. it They feel it in their bones Whether or not they can sense what the truth is Is a totally different question, but they know That they're not hearing it right now And I think when people hear those like you and I speak, they know it's coming from our true our true core, and it's not. We're not trying to persuade in any bullshit fact. You know, uh, factor. We're just we're just laying it out there. Like this is this is what we actually believe, and whether people agree or not, they feel that. And I I think that that is that is the reason I remain hopeful. Is that yes, we are unlikely to have electoral victories, but we are very likely to. Um, become more appealing as as the system degrades as people get to look at the economic collapse which i've been warning about for the past year um i think that people will start to go okay maybe maybe we need to give these ideas a little bit more credence and and consider them moving forward so let's hope
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um
1: all right tim well it, i've taken about an hour of your time uh it's let me see if it's uh M O E N underscore Tim on Twitter. What, what other uh, social media context would you guys like to let people know about?
2: Well, you can check out our, our party's website, libertarian.ca. I'm pretty proud of our platform. It's pretty hardcore. Uh, you know, we call for the abolition of the income tax. Um, we, uh, you know, I think we c- come to a reasonable compromise on, on immigration. We, you know, we kind of recognize we can't have open borders right now while we have a welfare state but we want to get the government out of immigration. So we go to a sponsorship program where, where Canadian citizens can sponsor whoever they want to come across, as long as they're willing to take on the responsibility of that immigrant. And then we move to open borders. Once we get down to a, whittle it down to a libertarian government. Right. Um, we've got a great section there on family and how the state, um, has destroyed the family and some of our proposals for that to make marriage a private institution again and a contract between two people where there's consequences for violating that contract just like any other contract law so there's a lot of stuff in there that I think are good ideas and and I'm pretty proud of we're always looking for updates so you can check out libertarian.ca and you can also check out my personal website timmowen.com net. And you can see some of my blog posts and videos and, and basically everything to do with uh, what I'm up to is there. My Twitter feed, my Facebook feed, uh, my blogs, my videos, that sort of thing.
1: Beautiful. Well, this guy is doing uh, omens work. So please uh, follow him on Twitter and check out his his content on his website. Uh, if you're in Canada, get involved with the, the Canadian uh, Libertarian Party, please. We we need we need reinforcements. And I think that you are You are led by a a true believer, and I am grateful to know of you and grateful for the work you're doing. So thank you for coming on, Tim.
2: Awesome, thanks so much, Quint. I look forward to seeing uh, your work going forward.
0: Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. World Premiere. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your Liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wonder what's happening Scared Hollywood, lefties lyrical fappin' in. A typo with Luke might bring the nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Know I was a patriot, but now I'm a shit we Peter Quinonez, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now nah, I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions in liberty now hear me roar Beat running out, but I got a bit more Robbie the fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Allowable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky smooth time was the only sound Getting so hot must be air july screaming in the mic a Number rip 59, 59. miles Tere showed that black guns matter now all these lefties got crazy small bladders none of us wanted war but we're ready you know i be bopping in well, rock steady liberty lockdown Piss in your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yes yeah, on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're right with the thought you've always got a home the virus you're scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Get into the show.